This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, Archbishop of Chicago. Today, I invite you to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization that utilizes media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and facilitate an encounter with Christ in His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. This is an invitation to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. When our hearts are open, the Lord changes and transforms us so that we in turn begin to share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ, who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, after our brief detour through the feasts of the Holy Trinity and the body and blood of Jesus, we return now to our sequential reading from the Gospel of Mark. And we come this week to one of the most stirring and beautiful stories in the Gospels, the account of Jesus calming the storm at sea. How this event must have haunted the minds of the first Christians. Versions of it can be found in all four of the Gospels. Just imagine for a moment how this must have been passed around in the oral tradition. The people that originally experienced it, telling others about it. And that is preserved through this um, verbal process of telling and retelling before it's finally written down in the Gospels. I thought of this scene, too, um, so often this past year because back, oh, about a year ago, I visited the Sea of Galilee for the first time in connection with this filming project I'm doing. What a sight it was. It sits like a, a little bowl there in the center of Galilee. One night we got way up on a, on a hillside and we could take in the whole Sea of Galilee in one view. How beautiful and how striking. They say, experienced uh, fishermen and boaters, that storms just like the one described here can suddenly blow up on that sea because of the way it's situated. And so this story involves just one of those sudden storms. Mark's very artful telling of this story invites us to explore a more spiritual and symbolic dimension of the event. As I've said to you before, I think, whenever we find Jesus in a boat with his disciples, what we have is a powerful image of the church. The church, all of us, the followers of Jesus, making our way through the stormy waters of history in the bark of Peter. So Jesus in the boat with his disciples, well, that's us in the boat of the church with Christ. The Lord says, let us go to the other side. Well, what is that but the journey of the church through time? Think of the church journey now all through time to the other side, to the far side of eternal life. Then we hear this. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. It stands for what? 
the storms that beset the church down through the ages, all these struggles that sometimes threaten to overwhelm us, these squalls that can come up very suddenly, unexpectedly in the life of the church. It stands, if you want, for persecutions, martyrdoms, institutional corruption, violence, stupidity. The recent sex abuse scandal is a very good example of a storm that has threatened to overwhelm the church. Again, just to dwell on that uh, sex abuse scandal for a moment, as I've often said, we are passing through right now one of the worst storms, perhaps the worst storm in the history of the American church. If you'd asked me, oh, 10 years ago, what was the worst moment in American Catholic church history, I might have said mid-19th century when the Know Nothing Party was organized explicitly against the Catholic Church, when they were burning down convents and churches, when the immigrant Catholics were being persecuted. But now, I would say the period we're passing through right now is the worst storm in our history. I refer to it as the perfect storm, the confluence of so many negative things that have affected so many aspects of the church destructively. Now, what do we hear as we return to the story? During this crisis, during this awful storm, Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. Now, I realize this can sound perhaps a little less than edifying. So the whole church is falling apart and Jesus is asleep. But here's how the church fathers and the great mystics read this scene. The sleeping Christ stands for the power and presence of God within the church. There is always a source of peace and serenity, even in the midst of the greatest storms. I want that image now to stay in your minds and your hearts. The waves crashing, the winds whipping, the ship threatening to break up, the disciples terrified of drowning. And in the midst of all this cacophony, all this chaos, there is Jesus asleep. Well, here we are now going through this terrible crisis. Water is coming into the ship of the church. We're threatened by all kinds of forces. Imagine Jesus asleep in the boat. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Someone who's in the world, but not of it. He is that power which transcends the vicissitudes of space and time, who links us to the creative source of all existence. And that is why he is our peace. Now, mind you, not peace, oh, in some simplistic way, but peace in the midst of the storm, peace despite the storm. The sleeping Christ is evocative of Teresa of Avila's interior castle. She talked about that place deep down within the soul where Christ dwells. Like a castle, that means a place of safety. That means a keep. Or the sleeping Christ is like John of the Cross's inner wine cellar, that place deep down within us where the spirits are kept, 
that place of intoxication, even during times of difficulties. The Sleeping Christ is evocative of Thomas Merton's Point Vierge, the virginal point. He means that place in us where we are here and now being created by God, that place of deep peace, even in the midst of storms. Here's the point. Learn to live out of that space, and you can endure the storms. Remember the related account of this, where St. Peter walks on the water toward Jesus as long as he looks at Christ. When he looks away from him at the waves, that's when he begins to sink. Same idea here. We can live in that roiled, chaotic space of the disciples, crying out in their anxiety. Or we can live in the space of the sleeping Christ. Look, in both cases, the storm is still there. But what's your attitude? What's your orientation? Where do you live spiritually? Again, none of this means storms won't come, but we can find harbor in the midst of them. Now, return to the narrative. What do we hear? They woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. Here is the power of Jesus Christ on display. St. Augustine gave a slightly different reading of the story. On his interpretation, the sleeping Christ stands for the power of God that's in us, yes, but that we've allowed to fall asleep. That's telling, isn't it? There is this Christ living in you, but if you've allowed him to go to sleep by a kind of neglect, I've been away from church, away from the scripture, away from the sacraments, living my secular life with great enthusiasm, but without depth. Think of these largely secular attitudes that have gripped our society today, our deep cultural indifference to the things of God. What this leads to, friends, is the kind of fearful paralysis on display in the disciples. That's why we flail about when the storms come. But see, Christ, once he's awakened in you, has the power to calm the storms that rage around you. We just have to find a way to wake him up. Anyone listening to me right now maybe who has fallen into this state of, oh, slumbering indifference to the things of the Spirit, wake up the Christ in you. Returning to the story, then he asked them, why are you terrified? Why do you not yet have faith? There's that pivotal biblical word, faith. The Greek term is pistis. It means something far more elemental than mere acceptance of doctrinal propositions. That will come as an implication of it. What it means, finally, is trust. Trust. Where does our fear come from? It comes, in a word, from a lack of trust in God. I think, friends, you can move through the entire Bible and find this as a unifying theme. Trust in 
the Lord. Up and down the Bible, Old Testament and New, that is the great motif. We don't always know the ways of the Lord. We don't understand thoroughly the workings of his mind. We don't know how and why his providence unfolds the way it does. Here's all the struggle we have with evil and suffering. What is God doing? Well, we don't know. But like a little child who doesn't fully understand what his parents are about, how could he? Like that little child, we learn to trust in the Lord. In a certain sense, everything else in the spiritual life is commentary. Trust in the Lord. That's the central message. Now, just in closing, perhaps now you can see why the church has coupled this story of the storm at sea with an excerpt from God's speech to Job. That's our first reading. Job, as you know, was enduring a storm of incomparable ferocity. He had lost home, livelihood, family, children, health, in one terrible fell swoop. In the wake of that storm, he suffered, he complained, he called God into the dock, but finally, through it all, he trusted. And in that, he found his vindication. Didn't have the answers, didn't see it clearly, but at the end of the day, he trusted. Well, I know everybody listening to me, all of you, personally endure lots of storms. The church as a whole endures lots of storms. We're going through a terrible one right now. But, but the power of God dwells within us in the person of Christ. That's what it means to be a baptized person. Christ is living in you. And so... As the storm rages, look to that peaceful Christ. And friends, trust him. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Word on Fire. My prayer is that each of us may be on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until next week. I pray that God will bless you and those you love.